Who are you? That was so efficient. There is not a tiny corner of you that remembers. Remembers what? You and I. Dancing across space and time. Locked in combat. And now after so long apart, we get to do it once more. I don't know you. Yet I know you. I remember every battle, which gives me the advantage. Our final fight has begun. And welcome to Who Watches Who, a Doctor Who podcast with your super special episode one of Doctor Who Flux review that we've got. I'm Matthew and I'm joined here as always. Hello, I'm Scott. Hello, Scott. Uh, Yeah, there's going to be two episodes of Who Watches Who this week. That's wild. Uh, Indeed, yeah, just insane. But it's finally happened after what feels like months nay days no no hours of speculating uh maybe the other way around uh about <laughs> what this new season was going to be it's finally happened we have both watched the first episode of doctor who flux and sweet jesus christ so much happened <laughs> it's probably the biggest episode of doctor who ever just in terms of like all these subplots all right chris puts... chibnall all right <laughs> <laughs> i didn't realize we had him on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he was exaggerating when he was saying this is the biggest season ever. Like ten, or like ten subplots in this episode alone. Just a, uh, just so much going on. Just it's so dense. Like every I, second, there's a new subplot plot being introduced. There was yeah, there's a lot of plot happening in this episode, and he really wasn't joking about it. Starting halfway through a story, <laughs> when I first pressed play on it, I thought iPlayer had messed up, and it had because <laughs> I was watching it with like a ten minute delay. I thought it had put me like on the live feed and not on the watch from the start, and so I just trying to rewind it. Like wait, no, this isn't the start. We're coming in halfway through a sentence. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, yeah, it is a pretty insane opening just uh the carvi carvinista is the villain name which i still don't like i'm just gonna call him a big dog villain quote unquote <laughs> villain i really enjoyed the twist with the carvinista as well so did i but yeah the, the doggy hangs the dog and yaz upside down above acid and the plant will be engulfed by the the flux i guess or whatever I mean, a kill disc will kill them, and it's the final hours of planet Earth. All all that information is given to us within a minute. It's kind of insane. Yeah, it's a lot to take in in that first minute. But the one thing that, right, I think this is my least favorite scene in the episode, which, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing that the first scene is my least favorite? Uh, and that was simply because of how it was presented. I thought the editing camera work, and specifically the green screen, seemed mm. really awkward and bad. Uh, which it didn't really happen for the rest of the episode, but just that one scene, I was like, I, like even the trailer, I thought the green screen in the trailer looked yeah. better than it did on the on the live feed. <laughs> it was something weird with it. 
Yeah, it didn't look too great, but you know, it was filmed in COVID restrictions. I'm I'm guessing that's something to do with it. I I don't know, but it it's fine for Doctor Who, and also I do like the scene for having two big references to classic Who. One of them is uh, the Doctor mentions Nitro Nine, which is a reference to Ace from the Seventh Doctor era. Uh, it's a she she used to build her own explosives, so that's that got a cheeky reference. <laughs> I mean, the Doctor does a great Capaldi impression. <laughs> yeah, I loved that when she was trying to get the handcuffs off her wrists and was like, wait, maybe I was Scottish when I made these. <laughs> <laughs> but, but according to like the BBC um, America subtitles, she did, she did a Capaldi impression and then a Sylvester McCoy impression, which I love. <laughs> that's great. That's That's a nice little touch for the subtitles to add. That's really good. Yeah, there was uh, another reference as well, uh, one uh, slightly more blatantly obvious. Uh, the space station that Game of Thrones boys on was called Rose. Do you, oh, never even noticed you, that. Did you not pick that up? That was the, like the only reference I picked up, and I was like, "Ha, that's that's really on the nose." I kind of like it though. Yeah, he's on <laughs> did, he's on he's on a spaceship called or a star base called Rose. Did it say it on screen or? They said, it multi- they, they said it in dialogue multiple times. Well, it was like the ship's computer being like, this is the starship Rose. <laughs> well, that's an interesting reference. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm surprised you missed it. <laughs> but yeah, that was a big opening, though. Just a massive opening. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was re- really, really good. And we also got quite a bit of uh, Dan in this episode. Who, thankfully, I managed to understand the entire time. I was really worried I wasn't going to understand him because that is one thick accent he's got. Yeah, but before that, we went to Liverpool 1820 after the intro, and there's two men in the mine shaft, and one of them has a big mutton chop hairstyle. Oh, I didn't like this scene either. Yeah, the, the opening of this episode I thought was kind of kind of all over the place, yeah, and by that I mean bad. <laughs> yeah, but do you think these two men have something to do with Dan? Because we live in Liverpool. Because they're and from Liverpool. Yes, that's the only connection. Like, Dan knows a lot about uh, Liverpool's history. I'm sure he might have known something about this, whatever we're building to. I'm guessing yeah. they're keeping... I'm, I'm guessing they've built something to keep away f- the flux. Or something like that. That's what I'm guessing. Or maybe, or to attract the... F- or it's just another subplot. Uh... Yeah, I can definitely see Dan being tied into it. Like, they're digging to some mine they fall... Like, we've seen them in the mine shafts in the trailer where they're exploring some tomb. Maybe that tomb is the tomb in Liverpool and Dan's all like, oh, I'm from Liverpool and why don't I know about this? You know? Uh, I I can see that happening. But this scene particularly with the Liverpoolian Victorians... Liverpudian <laughs> Victorians? Uh, yeah. Yeah probably the my least favorite written scene chibnall's done in a while i thought the dialogue here was so bad like really like stereotypical like the guy was like essentially rubbing his hands together and going my plan will come into fruition <laughs> like <laughs> yeah there is a lot of on the nose dialogue about what is actually going on here it's like dialogue such as if i were to speak to you about their true purpose your mind would buckle under pressure what <laughs> What lays ahead? The cataclysmic, the impossible. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's not, some, some not great dialogue in this in this episode. Um, another line of dialogue, but I'll skip ahead just a little bit. Do you know this? What is the guy's name? Um, I've, Swarm. Bill. The Bomb. Guy, 
<laughs> swarm, the crystal man. Oh yeah, he basically, yeah. He he basically there's a point where he ends a scene saying trick or treat. Oh, and I then hate the doc- that. Yeah. <laughs> and then the doctor realizes, oh, um, we're going to October thirty first, Menyaz. Not to hearing what Swarm said is like trick or treat. It's like really. <laughs> yeah, who talk? Who who hears October thirty first then says trick or treat? Like the villain get saying it, I can get, I can get on board. You know, it's cheesy villain stuff, but like a companion being like Halloween trick or treat, like. Uh. Yeah, yeah. The start of the next scene starts off with like kids outside Dan's uh, food shelter getting treats. They could have been, they could have just said trick or treat. That could be a good fun transition, cutting, but yeah, yeah, like a like a transition. But but yeah, yeah it's been like oh trick or treat. <laughs> it's a bit, <laughs> it's a bit over the it, top. <laughs> yeah, it was it was strange. Uh, also. The thing that I like that happens in the first scene of this, or at least we get like a, a touch of it in the first scene, they build off it uh, throughout the episode, is the Doctor and Yaz's relationship is actually interesting to me now. Uh, where they've made Yaz just become really short-tempered with the Doctor and getting tired. Like, it's very much, this is a companion who's on the way out. Like, this is a companion that's been traveling with the Doctor for too long and is sick of the Doctor's stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it's basically the same reason why uh, Ryan and Graham left last season. Like, there was a whole big, well, it wasn't a big arc, but because they hardly ever touched on it. But like, it was more episodes, like a leap over a small yeah. puddle. <laughs> episodes like Spyfall made it very clear that these characters know nothing about the Doctor. Like, they know absolutely nothing about her. And every time we're put in a situation, the Doctor's like planning a plan, but never let him in on it. And that Yaz says as much in this episode, which. Yeah, it's very frustrating. Yeah, there was there was a lot of friction between the two of them, which I really, really liked. Uh, and, you know, Yaz argued with the Doctor and fought back against her plans and stuff like that. You know, they built tension and drama on this sci-fi <laughs> drama show. <laughs> I, don't was, think I've, it, I don't think I've seen a companion have this much friction with the Doctor before. Yeah, I have no idea. I can't think of a time where, like, besides, like, Clara sometimes got really snippy with, like, uh, mm. Matt Smith or Capaldi's Doctor. Uh, specifically more Capaldi, because Capaldi, you know, his first few seasons is socially inept. Uh, and, and Clara gets... A, a, and also when he regenerates into Capaldi and Clara's super, mm. super confused. That was a companion that was really upset with the Doctor. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over six episodes of Yaz getting tired of the doctor especially with this whole um galactus from fantastic four attacking uh the earth <laughs> yes i was i was thinking about that as well yeah uh, but yaz doesn't even know that uh, the tardis is alive she's like maybe it's alive i don't know yeah like, she knows like nothing about like stuff the doctor says all the time to every companion that she knows nothing about it yeah 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 it's kind of sad but I guess this doctor is kind of socially inept in the first place. Like, but scene where Graham <laughs> more so than normal, yeah. Like a scene where Graham went up to her last season, being like, "Oh, I, I think I may have cancer again. I'm scared." And the doctor's like, "Oh, I'm too awkward for this. I'm just gonna walk over here now." <laughs> it's yeah. yeah, it's 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 interesting that they've made her doctor the least the least likable doctor. Yeah, she had the personality of least likable. Uh, yeah, yeah, she was. Although I still, I really enjoyed Jodie in this episode. She was mm-hmm. manic. She was manic and all over the place. But I thought she was fun, and she also like 
a thing that I did enjoy, you know, Scott's got notes for the scenes. I'm just talking. Uh, <laughs> There was the bit where uh, she's talking with Carvinista and she's trying to give her big doctor speech but keeps getting distracted. I really enjoyed that as well, where it's like, this could be your doctor moment where you give your big monologue. Yeah. But what's that red light? What's the what's going on there? <laughs> like... she, she, I think she kind of comes too close to being overly manic, but this episode kind of almost crosses that line, but doesn't step over it, if that makes sense. It goes very close to stepping over that line. But I do wish we kind of reined her back in a bit. Like, this is her last season. She kind of deserves more gravitas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe we'll get that by the end. You know, um, you know, maybe Chibnall has an arc planned out where she starts out manic and not taking stuff super seriously and not communicating her feelings and her ideas. And then by the end of it, she's learned and she gives a big uh, Matt Smith-esque speech about how important everybody is and how she wants to save the Earth. You know, <laughs> yeah, I can Hope- see that happening. Yeah, hopefully, we've got we've got like eight episodes left if we include the specials next year. So, hopefully, something big happens with this one. Um, speaking of, uh, we have Dan in the mix now, and what do you think of his character so far? I think he's an interesting character for a companion in that they've made him the greatest man that's ever lived. <laughs> like he's the most charitable human. Yeah. To to ever exist, uh, which was an interesting choice, but I still kind of liked him. Uh, he's super into Liverpool, which <laughs> you know, as someone not from Liverpool or from England, I just don't relate to in the slightest. Mm-hmm. So I found it really hard to care about his character. Uh, and then they did stuff where he's like, you know, he works at a food bank and he he doesn't accept charity for himself, even though he's got no food. He just gives and gives and gives. Uh, he. He's a saint, Saint yeah. Dan. Uh. <laughs> uh, they really work overtime to make the character really likable as well. Yeah, um, just his introduction. He reminds me a lot of uh, Ruth, the doctor from last season. Like the episode where we think she's human is started to solve with her being a tour guide and all that. Are you saying that Dan's going to be the doctor? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> he's going to be one of the. Uh... Is there a name yet for the Timeless Child Doctors? The ones that she's forgotten? We just call them Fugitive Doctors, I think. Ah, uh, that's a boring name. Because yeah, I got... Yeah. <laughs> maybe Dan's a Fugitive Doctor who's got his uh, timelord essence in a stopwatch. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's very possible. But yeah, I, I do love how he's a very optimistic character. Like, there's a scene where he's like, Oh, I'll, I'll win the lottery on Wednesday, but you don't even play. <laughs> but that's how lucky I feel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I cringed at that scene, but I could see how somebody <laughs> would enjoy it. It's, it's again, it's it's just the dialogue. Some of the dialogue yeah. really made, got under my skin, but for the most part, I enjoyed this episode. Uh, there was another thing with Dan. Oh my god, my, my brain is fried. Uh, yeah, uh, Dan is a victim of uh not believing aliens exist in the doctor who universe which was my biggest pet peeve uh throughout this entire episode is when he gets kidnapped by the space dog and he's like aliens exist what (laughs) (laughs) no like the alien breaks through his door with an axe and he's just like oh what the hell are you doing here go away he was super calm about that the the guy has an axe (laughs) like even if you don't think it's an alien he has an axe (laughs) yeah even if you're just assuming it's a halloween costume He's just broken into your house. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> just chopped through the fucking door. What the fuck yeah. are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, maybe that's why we're not companions with the Doctor. Because, you know, I feel like to be a companion with the Doctor, you need to have personality traits that would... <laughs> enable you to be put in life or death situations and not panic and simply being unaware you're in a life or death situation is probably a good uh, defense mechanism yeah don is very oblivious like most people would be freaking out but we're on a spaceship but he's like just just let me out let me out that's all he wants to be let out yeah there were actually there were two moments in this episode that i really appreciated uh one with the game of thrones guy and one with the doctor yaz and dan where they're just looking out into space and they're like, God, it's pretty, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's a nice, yeah, it is pretty. You're right. (laughs) Might be the prettiest space has ever looked in Doctor Who. They really added a lot of stars. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if they were out in space, in reality, it would just be, mmm, dark. (laughs) It's it's dark out here. It's dark and cold. Oh, yeah, there's a scene where the the Chewbacca-looking dude tries to use a Jedi mind trick on Dan. <laughs> I really enjoyed that as well. Yeah, where it's kind of playing into the, yeah, he looks like Chewbacca. We get it. There, there's a lot about this episode that kind of reminds me of Star Wars. Another one is that just the whole planet's been destroyed. All those mm-hmm. scenes reminded me of The uh, Force Awakens. Yeah, uh, the villain coming back to life from, from or escaping prison, I guess, uh, and being like, this will be our final fight. Whoa. <laughs> and also all the force talk moments with uh, the villain and the doctor. We just basically yeah, do a yeah. force Skype from the Last Jedi. Yeah, the, yeah, it's very much a new, a new, a Disney Star Wars type of type of deal going on there. Although I did kind of like it that it played into, you know, we just recently reviewed the Hand of Fear, which you can listen to wherever you get podcasts at Who Watches Who, a Doctor Who podcast. But uh, where Tom Baker gets called back to the Time Lords via psychic link, I enjoyed you know, reconnecting that. But yeah, the Doctor does have some mild psychic powers and you can communicate with them that way. This is the most psychic the Doctor has ever been, though. Like, she gets multiple messages throughout the episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, she just sees planets uh, being destroyed. Is it more psychic than the Doctor Who movie, though, where he's seeing people's future with well, his brain? Well, I guess the fact that uh, the dude is the swarm dude... I don't like his name, <laughs> but I guess the I don't like his sw- design. So, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that swarm is communicating with the doctor. It's more on him than the yeah. doctor. Yeah, it's I mean, like it's like showing someone a PowerPoint. You yeah, know, he's got the projector. She's just the onlooker. Yeah. Yeah, Rosavari Star Trek, uh, Star Warsy scene, where we see a lot of people running away from their planet being destroyed. That was. I thought that was so gruesome. When <laughs> like all the blue aliens are running away from their planet getting destroyed, and then that one guy explodes, and you see all of his blood burst out of his body. It's like if that was a different color, this isn't getting aired at six thirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is six thirty. Like it's very early on in the evening. Yeah, it was gruesome. I really enjoyed it. It came out of nowhere. Although it was, again, some of the effects in this, you know, lockdown stuff like that. It was one of the worst looking effects in it. But yeah. him him exploding was a cool cool shot. I enjoyed it. Uh, so we, we alluded to this earlier, but the dog person is um, sent to get Dan because the whole Earth is being destroyed. And all 7 billion of his species is sent to protect these people, these humans. 
which is a very nice i really liked that touch it's really yeah nice. i really liked it that you just assume that he's kidnapping dan because he's an alien but it turns out that his species of dog people are all bonded to each individual human and they all have a human that they have to look after and because they look like dogs you know they're man's best friend i thought that was so so fun and like an actual bit where i was like oh that's clever uh where man's best friend is space dogs that come and save us uh and it and it goes back to what i've always always been saying for this podcast i i like aliens who are just nice people they're proper people we're not this is a nice alien i mean i mean i mean carvinista <laughs> himself's a bit grumpy but yeah <laughs> he's from a species of nice aliens that we never see in doctor <laughs> I, I hope they come back in some way because um them guarding the planet reminds me of the end of guardians of the galaxy you know every ship yeah i thought that i thought the same yeah. thing the nova core all going up against yeah. the ship yeah <laughs> There's a lot of Star Wars and Marvel tie-ins. I wonder if BBC <laughs> and Chibnall looked at what's successful. Ah, good things. <laughs> yeah, this episode does feel more blockbustery than normal, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Especially with the giant cloud monster, which we'll talk about in a little bit. <laughs> mm, not a fan. <laughs> um, so in one of the scenes where uh, the Doctor and Yaz are having their argument and uh, a woman comes over and is like oh i know you people when the doctor and yaz look over being like oh i don't know you because we haven't met yet i was and... when that scene happened i went ah we're pulling a moffat uh untimey wimey box here aren't we yeah you know two two, but... two people came to mind uh river song obviously and uh, yeah. sally sparrow yeah yeah yep. like the ending of blink it's it's a very much uh I also like has touches of me with the silent story where we see Matt Smith die and then he comes back and it's an earlier version of Matt Smith and he's like, hmm, what's going on? Uh, it's it's a very Moffat-esque of here's the ending of a story that you don't know the beginning of yet and we'll reveal the beginning at the end because time travel, uh, which, you know, got me excited for the Weeping Angels in this episode, which are there for all of five seconds. Uh, so, yeah, so she gets zapped back to her own time, I guess, because she says she's taken a long way home, which I took to mean that she's from the past and somehow got stuck oh. in the future. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. That could be true. I assumed she was just from the future and got... I, I When she said long way home, I figured it was she meets the doctor and the doctor said something like, oh, maybe take the long way home on that day, you know? And then mm. she was like, oh, I took the long way home and I bumped into you. And what do you know, doctor? Uh, that's that's how I took it. But yeah, time trapped person could be cool. Yeah, and then she gets sent back to her own time, which maybe might be 1820. And that ties into the whole mining situation. I, maybe. I don't know. Just, just a whole guess. <laughs> really curious as to what's going to happen with her story. Because either we're going to meet her again in the future where she meets the doctor and she hasn't been zapped back yet by the weeping angels, which is going to get so hard to keep track of if we're <laughs> cutting from her unzapped. And then we cut to like a story with her after she's been zapped uh, and we're jumping like, it's it's a cool concept and I'm on board with it, but that's some hard sci-fi for six 30. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the way I took it is that the doctor knew she somehow got sent back in time to her own time. But if so the doctor, if the doctor goes back <laughs> to the time where she is and meets her, how is that happening? Because isn't there time bubble around 
people that get sent back in time that the TARDIS... I'm just trying to think of uh, the angels take New York or whatever. Yeah, but it's possible, right, the Doctor took her from 1820 or whatever, uh, um, left her in 2021, right? Okay. (laughs) And then... And then she gets sent back to her proper time. I, I don't know. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's, it's already it's already complicated. <laughs> but but like maybe she got left in twenty twenty one to look over the protection of the planet somehow. Maybe she's linked to all that. Maybe. I don't. I don't. She just seemed like a regular person to me. I really didn't get much of a read on what her character. She could be God. She could look like she's a blank slate at the moment. Uh, I I couldn't read her. That kind of comes into my biggest problem with the episode. It's just that that subplot just comes out of nowhere. It's just like, but we have it, we we have a we have a subplot of the Doctor looking for Dan, and then we have a subplot immediately after of uh, Yaz and the Doctor arguing, and then she just appears out of nowhere. And it's like, yeah. just just we just need some breathing room. I think in this episode, it could be, but it could also be right. Once the sixth episode is out and it's a neat little bow, if you go back and watch episode one, everything then makes sense. And you're like, oh my God, this is awesome. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's which, what I'm hoping, yeah. Yeah, I, which I I hope happens because that would be super cool to experience. But yeah, and this episode, out with without that context yet, this episode very much was, uh, yeah, oh, this is happening. Oh, here are some Tarrants. Oh, this is happening. Oh, here's the Weeping Angels. Oh, this is happening. Oh, here's this new villain. Oh, this is happening. Like, it was all over the place. Um, also, did you notice the woman had a blue door, much like the TARDIS? I didn't, but that's a good catch. That's a good catch right there. At, at, least, at least I think it was blue. <laughs> and she has to tell herself the premise of the Weeping Angel. She's like, okay, don't blink. If you blink, they'll move. <laughs> Why is she telling herself that? Just she to was, tell the I audience. Thought she, I thought she was so stupid when <laughs> this was happening. So she was like, "Don't, don't blink, don't blink. Whatever you do, do you know, don't blink." And then she like immediately turns her head. Yeah, like yeah, she, <laughs> uh, she's trying to get her keys, and she looks down at her handbag to try and get keys out. <laughs> just like really. <laughs> yeah, she was making a lot of rookie mistakes coming up against an angel. She just kept darting and turning her head. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which you know you can get away with once or maybe twice if you're lucky, but she she really tried that trick more than one one time too many. But yeah, this episode makes it feel like like all the aliens are just on one street. Like later on, we find <laughs> out that um, one of the villains is just in a haunted house. Like everyone's every villain is just on the same street in this episode. Also, a thing that I really enjoyed uh in this episode just talking about a completely different topic uh because there's 20 billion things to try and talk about uh the tardis malfunctioning i Mm. adored i absolutely loved the when they go through the doors and uh dan's like why is the door in the floor and jody's like i have an abundance of doors at the moment (laughs) like i just absolutely loved it um do you do you have any theories of why that's happening like I, I don't I know. Just, maybe it's maybe they're tying in the movie and the eye of the <laughs> the, the TARDIS or whatever is big because they opened up the heart of the TARDIS yeah. in this episode, which was a reference I really enjoyed, uh, where the Doctor fires the heart of the TARDIS into the flux and the flux goes yum 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 yum. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, maybe they're going to bring back what's it called, the eye of harmony. Harmony, yeah, yeah. Let's bring back the eye of harmony. <laughs> let's let's defeat the flux with the eye of harmony. That'd be great. <laughs> but my like my only assumption assumption is that maybe the flux 
isn't eating up planets, but somehow sending them to like a different universe or somehow mm. bending time and reality. I and somehow... know, the man that exploded into juice really seemed <laughs> to die. <laughs> I don't know. What what I mean, is the flux? Just just a cloud? Is it sentient? I think it's, it's sentient. It's Galactus maybe. from Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver <laughs> yeah. Surfer. That's what it is. It is the same design. It is I am Cloud Monster, uh, which I thought maybe there'll be a twist. Maybe the flux will be like a person or an event or something. But I thought the flux being clouds that are just coming to destroy the Earth was super underwhelming. Yeah. My idea, I don't know, because it's on Tarans later on in the episode, just to jump ahead, they're like, oh, we'll take advantage of this, but wouldn't they get be, wouldn't they be eaten by the flux, unless they somehow know how to avoid the flux, like, they can what talk the f- it I, out of eating them. How strong is the flux? Because the dog people seem pretty certain that they're about to just beat the flux with their shields yeah. <laughs> of spaceships. So, assuming that that works, the flux isn't much of a threat. But if that doesn't work, then why would they assume that it would work? And what is the flux? Why would they think that they could defeat it with their shield ships? Also, do you think the doctor doesn't know about the flux because she's been so preoccupied trying to find out her past? Like mm-hmm. just like she just hasn't been paying attention to anything going on in the universe. She's just been looking for her past. Which I think yeah, makes sense. That 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 could be. And then her past and her present have caught up with her, with the flux being this modern day villain and then Diamond Crystal Sparkly Boy being a villain from uh what, Fugitive Doctor? Uh yeah. which I really enjoyed that as an explanation mm. of like this is a villain that fought the doctor way, way back and before the first doctor. Uh which I I thought was cool. And the fact that he knows all of her weaknesses and she knows nothing about him is really interesting as well. Yeah, too bad she'll beat him in five episodes. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm just wondering if if, uh, if uh, Ruth is going to return the fugitive doctor from last season. Yeah, like, or maybe maybe we'll get some more doctors that we never never met before, you know? Yeah, this season is going to be interesting. We, we know nothing about this because I looked on Twitter earlier and... There, Basically, only 17 seconds of the next, like, six episodes have been revealed to us. It's, that's, that's how little has been revealed to us. Everything we know is from the first episode. It's an exciting time, for sure. I, uh, died. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like, even the next time segment that played at the end of this episode revealed nothing. Like, it yeah. was like, here's a Sontaran, okay. <laughs> like, here's a Victorian lady. That's all you're getting. Uh, before we got the next time trailer, for, we got a trailer for Warsaw Gummage. Just just right in the middle of that credits sequence. Did you see is that? that, is that yeah, is that what that was? I, yes. I, I, didn't, I, oh, I didn't pay attention to, to what, when it popped up. Yeah, but I, 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 was, I was distracted by it. I was like, why, why are we playing a trailer for Warsaw Gummage next week? <laughs> really out of place like i know warzel gummage used to be played by john pertwee but why now <laughs> no idea <laughs> um, well anyway our our main villain are the crystal people what you're you hate them don't you i do so the crystal people when he's tied up in prison uh and again that scene had some horrible dialogue 
But when mm. he's when like well, like she literally says, "Don't talk to the prisoner," and then immediately mm. talks to the prisoner and dies. Yeah. Like yep. why? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that mm-hmm. was, yeah. But uh, when he's tied up, his design there, I thought was like this is a kind of intimidating, cool looking design. And then he becomes Sparkly Boy that looks way over de- <laughs> like he just looks overly designed where they're like okay he looks like this and also he's got crystal crowns and also he's got glittery eyeballs and he's where like a design is it's too much for me i don't like it and then he also zaps people out of existence like thanos in... he does thanos people <laughs> yeah. yeah he does thanos people uh very shoddy looking if special effects i think they don't look too great oh i didn't honestly. think i thought they were some of the better effects in the episode i thought again like i thought the effects in the trailer looked so good but some of them like watching it on tv i don't know what it is they, they seem a bit weird maybe it's just because i'm looking at it longer you know the trailers cut so quick yeah uh you don't really have a time to process it yeah but the lady from the division we don't know who what the division yet is yet but they are somehow connected to keeping the man the crystal man in ca- in cage in caged i guess yeah yeah but yeah. yeah she's an idiot yeah she is and, also, and she was like infinitely old yeah she was weird <laughs> like like she had been guarding the crystal man the entire time and just now was getting a replacement guard and she he was like you're you're so old and now you're handing me off to a kid I'm going to escape, and then she forgets everything she just told the kid and goes, "Oh well, no, you won't escape. Oh no, I'm dead now." Uh, just like, like when the lady said, "Don't blink, don't blink," and yeah. it'll move, and and she blinks. Like, yeah. pe- people forget their own rules sometimes. It's rather insane. <laughs> I think Chibnall forgets his own rules sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, we then go to the Arctic Circle. And there's a couple there, and we get this distress signal, and they I was ignore confused it. by this yeah. whole plot. They, they ignore it, like, when I get a call from work, I just ignore it, I just shoot my phone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it turns out the woman is also a crystal person, I think it's, 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 it's Swarm's sister. Yeah, but did the woman know that she was a crystal person? Um, no, I don't think so. I think it's like a Yana, Professor Yana situation, like... right. She's fair, but she doesn't know she's, she's... like, hidden. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the signal about... I... I'm, I'm guessing it was that... Uh, because the guy knew what it was as well. I'm guessing it was that Swarm escaped. I guess they're... Maybe? Respons- I guess they're responsible to keep him in the On, on Earth? Because they were on Earth, weren't they? They were, they were the on Earth. Earth, yeah. But I guess somehow they have, like, a link to wherever he was... I'm sure it'll get explained and definitely not forgotten about. Yeah, but my guess is what woman was... The woman had to become human to be, basically to like hide. hide her. Yeah. yeah, hide. And then also she was had a message in her brain be like, oh yeah, destroy any message that says I escape. And then she destroys Maybe. it all. So yeah, that could be an explanation. But yeah. also their, their relationship was kind of incestuous. Like... The way he kind of rubbed her cheek was a they're bit... royals, man. <laughs> they're, they're they're royals. That's just part of the gig. Like, <laughs> I mean, even later on when um, the swarm and the doctor are in the mind palace or whatever you want to call it, the way he kind of moves around her is kind of like creepy as well. He basically says um, that we were dancing across space and time, which is kind of um, sexual in a way. It's very weird dialogue. Yeah. 
it was it was interesting for sure. I'm I like I'm on board with him as a villain. I thought his monologues were good. I like the actor that's doing him. He like portrays him in a pretty sinister way. I just hate the makeup. That's <laughs> like <laughs> I, I I like the fact that he's very cool and collected and patient. Like he was there for a long time. And he's just like, yeah, I'll have patience and I'll get out of here eventually. And then he got out, and now he's. Doing some evil stuff. I wonder if he has anything anything to do with the flocks. Like, is that a separate event? Yeah, maybe. Maybe this is just a collection of random events happening at the same time. The only thing that gives me pause with this episode, right, is I really enjoyed everything it set up. But if you remember, I think it's the way that, C- that Joji's Series 2 opens with that final twist that this guy's the master. Mm. And, and then it's like oh my god what a way to kick off this season i'm so on board and then it becomes super boring yeah uh for most of it and then like the ending is a kind of a mess i'm really worried this is setting up a lot of cool exciting stuff and will not pay off because so far chibnall has that track record this kind of reminds me of episode five of last season actually you know when the roof doctor is revealed and everything just felt like it was setting up for future episodes and it didn't culminate to anything. It just fell flat. I hope this isn't the case. I hope this continues to get better. Yeah, like, I don't think it was a bad episode, but I think it's going to be the type of thing when you look back on it at the end of the season, it's either going to be like, oh my god, that was a perfect setup, or you're going to look back on it and be like, what was that mess about? Because mm. none of that paid off. Look at all these plot holes. Chibnall really messed up here. Yeah. It's a gamble. Um, it's a gamble. It's a gamble, yeah. But hopefully, they've got five episodes, and I think next week's episode is one hour long, not 50 minutes. So, we're playing with times, timed constraints. So, hopefully, it just allows for better storytelling. Um, one of our final st- story beats is that uh, Diane, uh, Dan's girlfriend, I guess... They were, uh, like, flirting. They were yeah. dating. Um, yeah, but she basically gets called into a haunted house, and then uh, the sister character is like, oh, I'll take you over, I guess. I guess she's taking over her body. I'm not quite sure what the fuck that was. <laughs> oh, is that what was happening? I did not grab... I, I assumed they were, like, capturing her yeah. for whatever reason. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just guessing they're taking over a body to kind of, like, get closer to Dan. That's my only... Why are they hanging out on Earth? The <laughs> Flux is rapidly attacking it. Yeah. Like, like I think the dog person says that Earth only has two hours left or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, like, it, like we, the episode ends with, like, Neptune getting destroyed. Like, <laughs> like there, there is Earth, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars. Yeah. That's that's the order of the planets. It's Neptune that gets destroyed. Uh, they they like the Earth is literally about to explode, and the big villains of the show are like just chilling on Earth like it's no big deal. Which really makes me think that maybe the uh, obviously this flux cloud is getting defeated. I'm about to say like mm-hmm. maybe it's going to be beaten, but of course it's going to be beaten. The question is, are we Scott going to be leading into an episode where the Earth gets destroyed? And then the Doctor spends the next four episodes with, like, a distraught uh, Yaz being like, you just blew up the Earth and you're not telling me anything. Uh, <laughs> or are we going to get an episode where they travel back in time to be on Earth? Or maybe that both happens. Maybe the Earth gets destroyed, then the Doctor travels back on time to be on Earth because that's where everything's kicking off because that's where the mine is where they buried uh, Diamond Crystal Boy 
and he's the key to it, and they're doing some timey-wimey nonsense, I figured out the plot. There we go. Yeah, well, we know next week's episode <laughs> is set in the past, in, like, the 1300s, because the Sontarans are taking advantage of a situation, I guess. I'm not exactly sure how they're taking advantage of a situation, but, yeah. Next uh, next week is in the past. So are the Sontarans talking about a different event when they're attacking d- the Earth? I'm I'm pretty sure we talk about the flux, but maybe yeah. there maybe the flux is just traveling from far away. So by the time like they notice the flux and then they go to attack Earth, but when they're at Earth, it's the 1300s, and by the time the flux arrives to Earth, it's modern day because space mm. is big. Yeah, it's complicated. It's it's an interesting <laughs> situation. Yeah, there's there's a again like as I said to to, to you once I finished watching it, is spinning plates. He Chibnall is just spinning plates left and right at the moment. Like, there mm. is there is so many, so many plots happening, and all of them got about five minutes each. <laughs> like, yeah. I really hope there's more consistency with the plots in the future, just not introducing every plot in five minutes. Hopefully the Sontarans get a proper episode, you know. And well, how, many plot, how many plots did they introduce on this episode? in total i calculated at least like 10 <laughs> like with the weeping angels on tyrants the dog people the whole flux angle the uh, crystal people the tardis getting fucked up dan that's yeah, a lot of plots a, that's that's a lot of plot to fit into five episodes isn't it and also liverpool 19 sorry 1820 that's another plot that'll be continued on i guess yeah that's a, that's a, that's a lot of plot <laughs> And also the Weeping Angels are going to come back as well. We, we already know that. And also Jacob Anderson is still floating around in space and he's going to get... Oh my god, we, to... didn't even, we didn't even <laughs> talk about him yet. <laughs> <laughs> are, yeah, are so... something, yeah, there's nothing really to talk about. He's just in space sit- and monitoring the situation. Yeah, I really enjoyed his monologue where he's like, God, space is so beautiful. I like appreciate... I've been here for, like I think, 10,000 days, he said, or something like that. He said over 20 fires in rotations. Yeah, there you go. Over 20,000 rotations. And he's like, and it's still super pretty. And I really appreciate looking out at this, but also go to hell. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, basically what we have to guess from that is he's seen nothing this entire time. Then suddenly he sees a flux, which is really just a flux appears out of nowhere and just eats everything, which is not predictable at all, is it? No, not predictable, but there'll be an event that triggers the flux, and my guess is the Doctor or Diamond Head did it, with their timey-wimey timey-timeyness. Uh, but yeah, who who is Game of Thrones man, you know? Uh, whose name I just don't remember, even though you literally just said it. Jacob uh, Anderson. Game of Thrones man. Damn it. <laughs> uh, Jacob, his name is Jacob Anderson, but I don't know his character's name yet. Yeah, I don't know his character. I don't remember his character's name, if they even said it. Uh... But yeah, is he there as like a prisoner? Is it like community service? Ooh. Is that why he's why he's like go to hell, you guys? I like I I I really like looking out on this vast beauty. I could be in somewhere way worse, but you know I'm still a prisoner. I still have nowhere else to go. Or maybe he's just like on contract and got shipped out to the worst job. Like, <laughs> yeah, we just we just don't know anything at this point. It's really insane that we just know nothing. It's great. We had all these trailers where the trailers were like, God, we just don't know what's going on. And then the first episode comes out and we're like, God, we just don't know what's going on. 
I can't wait to do this podcast in January. Just after all the seven episodes have aired, the six episodes of the season of a New Year special, just being like, oh, it makes sense now. We understand. Yeah, it finally all. makes Or be like, <laughs> oh, we're going to have to wait for these next, for the Easter special. Like... <laughs> But yeah, that was a jam-packed episode. I think we basically covered everything. There's I think. Probably, we probably... We didn't even talk about the Sontarans. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah we, we, kind, we kind of did. We, we Dan... briefly touched on them, but we didn't talk about how hilarious they are. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if I like that dialogue. Just being like, oh, you're <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> I really didn't like the dialogue. There's so much dialogue I didn't like in this episode. But again, I enjoyed the episode. It's a weird contrast to have. Where did that but but the fact that Dan Starkley is play, playing one of his uh, Sontarans is great. Dan Starkley obviously being Strax. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, at I mean, least he's at least they like they didn't redesign the Sontarans and then went, haha, you're not getting work anymore. <laughs> he's a, yeah, he's apparently the only on-screen actor to be have been in all three eras of the new Doctor Who show, like the. Russell T. Davis era, this um, Chibnall era, and obviously the Moffat era, which is interesting. Yeah, he does this on Tyron well. What can you say? Uh, I still, like, I appreciate the new design. I know you really like it of yeah. the Sontarans. <laughs> but seeing it move seems so weird to me. Like, it, oh, like I think this one looks more like a costume than the mm. when they brought the Sontarans back. I think they looked more alien when they brought them back, and this one looks more... Because they've made it look more like the classic Who era Sontarans looks a bit more like rubbery and a bit more costume. Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same with the, uh, with the dog character. I think he's, his movements were kind of stiff and just, yeah... Yeah, it 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 like looked like someone wearing a big dog helmet more than yeah. someone like if you look back on like the the cat people uh from Russell T Davis's era, they looked like cat people. Yeah. Uh whereas this person looks like someone wearing a Chewbacca costume. Like yeah. <laughs> like sometimes his mouth doesn't move properly and yeah. Yeah, the prosthetics is a bit over the top cuz um I think the cat people in like series 2 were a mixture of makeup and prosthetics whereas this this one is just straight on prosthetics the costume itself doesn't look bad just in movement yeah it's the same with the Sontarans for me yeah. I think the Sontarans look cool in still image but when they start moving it's a bit ooh okay uh, <laughs> doesn't allow the actor to really emote much which no. is a shame but yeah, yeah I, is that everything? I think I, we covered everything. I think that's everything covered. We talked about the cool... <laughs> what was your favorite moment in this episode? Favorite moment? Oh, um... God, there's like 20 billion moments to choose from. Um... What was your favorite moment? I'll think about it. <laughs> My favorite moment, I think, far and away, is the malfunctioning TARDIS doors. Because it's mm. a fun sci-fi concept with the TARDIS that we've not seen yet on TV. Like, yeah. the TARDIS having multiple entrances that keep popping up for no reason uh, is a super, super fun idea. Did, did you ever watch the show My Parents Are Aliens? Uh, not religiously, but I have okay. seen it. So the concept of that show is aliens come to Earth and their house is an alien spaceship and they adopt, like, three children. In one of the episodes the spaceship malfunctions and every room of a house leads to a different door. So if you walk through the door for the bathroom, you're somehow teleported to the kitchen. You have to navigate your the house and try to figure out which room goes where. 
I, I like that episode. It's a, it's an episode that's I remember. A, yeah, that that's a fun concept. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was my favorite moment in this episode of Doctor Who because I was like, that's fun sci-fi, fun Doctor Who sci-fi, TARDIS malfunctioning, yay! Uh, and it was like something I could grab onto while everything else was buzzing by my head at a million miles an hour. <laughs> Yeah, I'm honestly a bit too overwhelmed, but I guess my favourite moment might have been with Swarm and the Doctor in the Mind Palace being like, oh yes, I know you from when you don't remember. And that's a big moment. That's yeah, like, that, was, that was cool as well. Yeah, and, and it really builds a lot of threat for this alien. Like, the Doctor knows nothing about him. It's something huge. Yeah, and it also it builds into the Doctor not explaining stuff to Yaz again. That's definitely going to blow up in her face where she's getting the psychic calls from the villain and she's just not telling anybody about it. She's just pretending like everything's okay. It's more of her doctor being, you know, pretty inconsiderate, Mm -hmm. uh, which is an interesting personality to choose to give this doctor. I I do wonder when the timeless child stuff will come back in because I want that story to be wrapped up somehow. I I don't think it's getting wrapped up. This is definitely part of it. Yeah. I don't. I don't think the timeless child will have a conclusion. I think it's going to be one of those things that they'll just tease out. Maybe they'll conclude it in the 60th anniversary. Maybe Russell mm-hmm. T. Davis will want to tie a bow on it. Uh, but I feel like it's just an excuse for them to, whenever they want to bring in someone as a guest, ex- a guest spot to be a doctor, <laughs> they can do that and have a canon explanation. Yeah, like every guest character we meet in this entire show could have been the fugitive doctor. <laughs> It's insane. But yeah, that's that's the Halloween apocalypse for you. Pretty good episode overall, but I just need to wait to see if any of the plots get resolved in a satisfying manner. At the moment, you know, without knowing the conclusion, I think that I think this is the second best Jodie opening series episode. Mm. Uh her first her first episode, which we've covered on Who Watches Who, a Doctor Who podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, uh, is I I think her first episode's really weak. Yeah. Uh, her her second her her series two episode, uh, I think, is really really fun and has that excellent twist with the master reveal. And this one, I think, is it's like neck and neck between those two, and really will matter if this episode has payoff. And like if it ties together neatly, because if it ties together neatly and creates this awesome wee six part story, then this is this is going to be one of my favorite openings ever because so much happens. Uh, but it's just, yeah, just a wait and see game at the moment. I think this might. Yeah, but I think this might be the best season opener in a long time. Like Spyfall part one was OK, but I think it was let down by part two being kind of part two kind of shift. It's focused slightly to like being like in the past and all that whereas if this season continues being strong yeah it definitely will be one of the best season openers ever like i think maybe the impossible astronaut might have been the last best season that was a opener good one. yeah that was a good yeah because all the capaldi ones were kind of weak i think i don't really remember any of capaldi's season openers i don't remember many season openers but, to be to god, re- god damn the impossible astronaut was 10 years ago Best, best season opener in 10 years that's our title <laughs> <laughs> that's a good title yeah <laughs> but yeah that, yeah good episode yeah yeah solid episode i'm looking forward to this sunday's episode uh which is the sontaran war isn't it or something like that 
Yeah, a bit of a lazy title, honestly, but I I'm take excited. that I take that over the battle of Raxum Maxim Flaxum Plaxum. <laughs> True. Ta- ta- I'm not done. Taxum Laxum. Um, one of Raxum, my biggest. Co- Saxum. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I think I would have liked more quiet time with Dan. Just like open up the episodes, have like fifteen minutes, kind of like dedicated to him. Just let us know who he is. I yeah, I was expecting the episode to open with Dan. Same here. Uh, yeah, that, that's what I expected. And then for like the Doctor and Yaz to like crash land or something, and then be like, "Oh, we've got to go, Dan," uh, and he's like, "What's going on?" Uh, rather than the weird green screen opening that we got. But I still, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hate the opening that we got. Uh, yeah, it was, it was. So far, I would say that Chibnall hasn't lied in his marketing. Mm. of it being the biggest opening ever and it feels like a finale because it definitely feels like a part one of a finale yeah. uh you know, ass- also, assuming yeah. we would have all the context for everything that was happening beforehand yeah and also him saying like this is the doctor's oldest enemy or whatever that makes sense now mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh so color me intrigued i'll definitely be watching episode two live and hopefully wait you can you watch episode two live hell yes <laughs> okay cool so episode two review will be out probably on sunday or monday yeah. uh the as as we said before with our release schedule november gets a bit messy uh just because work and doctor who airing on a sunday when we release yes. episodes on fridays so we have to completely rejig our recording schedule to try and work around that nightmare uh, <laughs> but I think are we done? Yes, we are done. That's almost an hour. That's look at good. That. Look at that episode one, the Halloween apocalypse. I remembered the title. <laughs> reviewed. Uh, thank you very much for listening. This has been Who Watches Who, a Doctor Who podcast, available wherever you get good podcasts, and also on YouTube at Who Watches Who. You can find us on Facebook at Who Watches Who, on Twitter at Watches Doctor, and you can follow me on Twitter at Cloth223 and Scott. Yes, you can send us an email at whowatcheswhopod at gmail.com. Do you have any theories about what the hell is happening this season? What the fuck? What what the flux is the fuck? I would say. <laughs> yeah, what did, what did you think of this episode? Did you enjoy... The Sontarans and how hilarious they were. <laughs> uh, I, I really, I, I was, I, I was, I, I was dying a laughter. I really hope they're better written next episode because if we I have... hope <laughs> all the dialogue is better written next episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have different right. No, we don't. <laughs> no, it's Chibnall all six episodes, isn't it? <laughs> episode four is co-written by someone else. So that's something at least. <laughs> Yeah, they they did the stage directions. Chibnall took took care of the dialogue. <laughs> but yeah, send us an email at whowatcheswhopod at gmail.com. And also we have a new episode coming out Friday. This is Torchwood episode one, celebrating the 50th, 50th anniversary? No, the 15th anniversary. 50th. <laughs> yes, Torchwood yeah. aired in 1971. <laughs> Very risky for a time. <laughs> well, the 70s were a time of expression, you know? <laughs> That was that was cinema <laughs> expression coming into fruition. You know, we 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 saw the trailer for uh, Alice in Wonderland. The seventies were a wild time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's out on Bonfire Night. So if you if you want to listen to something, what to drown out the fireworks, then listen to Torchwood. It's a, it's a perfect. It, it, Torchwood has a lot of banging in it. Uh, it, it does. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, so this this Friday will be the release of the sexiest Doctor Who spin-off, Torchwood episode one, which uh, is one of two main deep dives that we've got this month because of the series is taking over most of our release schedule. Look forward to it. It's a good one. It's been edited for about two weeks now because <laughs> we got really ahead of our schedule. So. And now we're back on track to being kind of behind. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's not like a scramble to try and get everything done in time. But yeah, we will see you on Friday and be sure to listen to us next Sunday or Monday for the next episode. Be sure episode. to listen to us on Friday for the next yes, episode and then well. also listen to us on Sunday or Monday. It's going to be a lot of, do- of, of this podcast coming out at a weird time. Look forward to it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's it. Yes, goodbye. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs>